Welcome to Pastor Talk. I am Pastor Joe, and uh, Pastor Tim is with me today. And today we're talking about demons. Yay! So pretty light subject. We've been uh, we've been touching on this uh, during our church services on Sunday, and so we thought we'd tackle something that uh, doesn't get touched on too much on a Sunday morning, and that is um, demon possession. What does that look like? Can a can a believer be demon possessed? Some of the uh, the the untruths that go around that um, aren't really in the Bible, and uh, just some of our experience and and our knowledge on the subject. So, I want to say as a preface, you know, a lot of the stuff we're doing now, pastor talk and ask a pastor. These are questions that people have, but these are also secondary issues. So when you say something like, "Can a Christian be demon possessed?" It's a yes or no answer. And so if we say yes, we think they can, then obviously the people that say, no, well, I don't think that's true, you're wrong, are going to have a problem with it. And that's not really the point of uh, these podcasts and these talks is to cause contention, but to really bring some light to some of these issues that people have, these questions that people have. Now, these kinds of issues are not in our statement of faith. These are not primary issues that we're talking about. These are secondary issues. And so we can debate them vigorously without having to divide over them. But at the same time, you know, if you think something differently, let us know in the comments. Let us know where we might have missed the mark because these are some of these things are based on our interpretation. We do the best job we can to kind of come up with a a summary of the issue. But issues like demon possession are very nuanced. There's a lot of detail into them. And for the sake of this type of podcast, we can't get into every little nuance. So I kind of before we really get into it, I kind of wanted to just go over what both of our backgrounds and our history and our experience with this is. So when I was, when I was growing up and I grew up in the church, um, I would say that demons and demon possession were not a, um, a subject that was touched on very much, at least in, in, in my journey in Christianity when I was younger. And while I was never directly taught this, I came to the conclusion, like many others have, that um, that believers cannot be demon-possessed. Now, my reasoning behind that was because I believed that we have the Holy Spirit in us, and we do, and that the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, when that is, uh, when that is happening in our lives, that it's impossible for Satan or any of his demons to dwell in the same spot. And so... Well, I think that's sound reasoning. I think it has many misunderstandings of what actually goes on um, with demonic influence in our lives. And really, I think it starts off by really the phrase demon possession. Because uh, it's, a, it's a term that is translated from the Bible, but that is not the phrase that they would have used. Um, a, a more direct translation would be demonized. I think a lot of the verbiage when we talk about demonized or demon-possessed, we're kind of talking about the same thing. I think as a ground level, we have to talk about, you know, establishing the fact, do demons exist? Because I think at a very base level, we have to agree with Ephesians 6 that we are in a spiritual warfare, that demons are real, Satan is real, he's the father of lies, he's on the prowl looking for someone to devour. And so if we establish that at least cognitively, we can then go to a deeper level with, okay, well, what is their purpose? How do they engage in the world? And a lot of our series on culture wars is talking about truth and lies and how the primary tactic of demons and Satan is to infiltrate 
lies that we believe about ourselves, which then turns into dis disordered desires, which then affects our beliefs and our actions, and it kind of strings along that whole aspect of it. I was thinking about this other the other day. We haven't quite got into the part of our flesh and the world yet in this series, but if you think about a fleshly action that I'm going to do, I have the choice of making that action, that sin, but that foundation for why I'm making that sin has has more than likely come from a disordered desire, from a lie that I have believed. And if Satan is the father of lies, then every lie out there, including ones I believe about myself, which leads me to sin, has come from Satan. So just from a general term, I think we can say that obviously there is a, a great influence of demons in culture, in our belief system, in how the lens through which we look at, which leads to uh, sin and the like. And, and so when we talk about, you know, someone that is demonized, someone that is being affected by a demon, I think first and foremost, we have to see that there's different levels. When we, when we talk about, you know, can a Christian be uh, uh, affected by a demon? I, I think all of us would say yes, right? We've heard, uh, we've had uh, a dark spiritual forces speaking to us negatively. We've had um, intrusive negative thoughts that we know didn't come from ourselves. And so we know that there are ways that they can influence. And so it's to what level, when we talk about demon possession, lots of times we think about, um, you know, someone that's being completely taken over, that's just manifesting. It's not them anymore. It's the demon speaking through them. And so... Um, what we see is that for an unbeliever, the big difference between an unbeliever and a believer is that unbelievers have no authority in the spiritual realm. They have, they do not have the Holy Spirit living in them. They, they are not co-heirs with Jesus. Do they, they do not have authority in the spiritual realm. And, and so when, when they're being affected uh, by spiritual forces and the, the open doors that uh, sin uh, brings into their lives and that's how demons uh, come into our lives. We essentially invite them by by different sins that we may do, by um, dabbling into the occult with Ouija boards and and the like. Um, but even even giving into to fear, even giving into these different things, that can uh, create a stronghold that invites um, demonic forces into your life. And so the the huge difference is a believer can be free of those whenever they would choose. God has given us the, the path to being free from those. And we offer the, uh, the freedom ministries, the freedom in Christ ministries. And yeah. it's such a, an amazing walk through what that actually looks like. And the amount of freedom that uh, people gain through going through all those steps of letting go of unforgiveness, of renouncing past sins, of renouncing uh, past sinful relationships, those type of things of repenting and moving forward. There's just, God has given us all the, the resources and the power and the authority that we need. We just have to enact on it. Yeah, that's really true. How a lot of times we treat the sin, you know, we put a lot of, you know, whether it's talking about lust, we put filters in place and accountability and all that stuff is good. But what is the root cause? Why are we seeking that? And a lot of it comes down to our identity, what we know, how we think that will give us pleasure and fulfillment. 
And so that's why, again, freedom in Christ, it, it goes over your identity first. And then you start to renounce the things of your past. And that through that, you find freedom. It's not just about looking for a demon behind every corner. The point of all this is for freedom. Christ came to bring us freedom. But for those that aren't walking in freedom, we have to figure out why. That goes back to identity and the steps that we need to take. It's not just about legalism. Well, don't play with the Ouija board. Well, why are we saying that? Why should you not do certain things that are inviting demons? Is that, once again, if you believe that demons are real, you are not going to do things that are going to just kind of lead you down that path and then you wonder once you're so far gone down that path how did I get here it's one step at a time going down you know away from Jesus instead of going towards Jesus the the super awesome thing is that Jesus gives us all the tools that we need right when Paul outlines it in Ephesians uh, chapter 6 with the armor of God it's so clear that we're in a spiritual battle that when we're fighting we're not fighting against other people and so often we forget that and we act like we're fighting this physical battle and we're fighting it in a spiritual way, in a mental way. But we are literally fighting a spiritual battle against evil forces. And so when he uses the, the, uh, the metaphor of, uh, of, the, of the armor of God, so our, our tools are righteousness, our tools are truth, our, our, our armor is uh, salvation, um, readiness to spread the gospel, and he gives us uh, uh, righteousness, I've already said that, and then he gives us the, the sword, right? Our main weapon is the word of God. And so he gives us these, these tools, and it's just uh, a choice of whether or not we acknowledge, first of all, that we're in a battle, right? If, if, if we can't be affected by the spiritual realm anymore, then what kind of battle is that? No, it's very clear that we're in a battle that we're going to have to fight, that we're going to have to defend with the shield of faith to extinguish every flaming arrow of the evil one. Mm. And that he gives us a sword, not just to, to defend, but to, to fight back. And so um, I think it's, it's, a, it's an amazingly cunning lie that we can as Christians look at all these spiritual truths in the Bible and say, yeah, armor of God, good thing. Put it on every day in the morning, spend time with the Lord. And then at the same time, believe that there's no way that we can be uh, affected by a demon. And that's such a lie. You know, C.S. Lewis says the, the greatest lie that the, the devil ever, um, ever proclaimed was that he's not, that he's not real. Mm -hmm. And so, um, again, that's the first thing is to remember what battle we're in and then to actually use the tools that, that God gave us. Is that C.S. Lewis or the usual suspects? I get those two mixed up. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to stick with C.S. Lewis okay. on this one. There was not one of those terms in there, uh, quotes. But um, going back to the war analogy, I think it's very important to think that, you know, as Joe said, you know, if we ignore the war, if we just... If you were to walk out in battle and say, oh, there's no war going on, I'm going to walk out without my armor, without a weapon, and just walk out into the battlefield, you're going to be a casualty of war. And just like there's no conscientious objectors in the kingdom, that's someone who says that I don't believe in fighting, so I'm just not going to fight. You know, we, can, we don't have that luxury. You're either in or you're out. If you choose not to fight, then you'll be a casualty of war, which means the enemy is looking to take people out. That's no, you, you have a target on your head as soon as you become a Christian. Now, if you're doing more in Christ and moving in the spirit, then you're going to have a greater target because you're actually you know, doing damage to the, the kingdom of darkness. 
And so he, he wants you just to be a casual Christian who's not moving in freedom, who's stuck in bondage, who's stuck in a stronghold of sin. That's where the enemy wants you. If he can't get you to renounce God completely, then he wants you stuck where you're not going to have any impact for the kingdom. And so that's where we have to continue to move in an area that allows us to have that freedom, which also in turn will uh, allow us to bring others into that freedom, allow us to share our testimony, which you know defeats the enemy just through the sharing of our testimony to other people. And they see that, oh, there is a chance for freedom. And so there's so much more besides just, uh, you know, well, just just uh, have enough faith and, and Satan will go away. Well, there's there's actual steps you have to do. You have to put on the armor of God. You have to resist the enemy's lies. And I love how Pastor Nathan said about quiet time. Quiet time is not just being lazy on the couch and saying a quick prayer. It is battle. It is battle when we go uh, in our secret place, when we wage war in the spirit and with our prayers. Like that is how we have to think about what we're doing when we're reading the Bible, when we're praying. We are taking ground for the kingdom of God. You know, uh, Tim, you mentioned testimony and uh and so i did want to share really quick one of my own experiences with uh demonic influence in my own life so a few years ago i was going through a time of the darkest depression that i've ever gone through in my entire life and i was struggling with a lot of things uh with the uh, um, the way i understood different things in the bible and just god was revealing lots of things to me but during this time i was so depressed I was just in the uh, in a hole that I could not climb out of, and I had struggled with depression off and on throughout my entire life, uh, even as a teenager. But during this time, it was about a month. It was just I I couldn't get out of this hole, and my wife uh, one night uh, she told me that she just had this vision of this dark, like blanket that was just sitting on my head um, like, and she's had a vision of me just lifting it off. And I just thought that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, that's not how any of this works. Um, you know, I still, I, at the time, I think I still believed that, um, you know, believers couldn't be uh, affected by demons like that. And, and so I remember just like, wrestling with with that thought process and and uh she went to bed and i and i was still up till really late just sitting there super depressed and i remember the moment when i'm like okay i'm gonna do it and i said uh something along the lines of in the name of jesus i rebuke you depression and i i did the motion that heather saw me do and to lift off this this dark cloud and immediately i felt the clearest uh, that I've ever felt in my life, just an immediate clarity. And the depression was completely gone. And I just immediately like welled up in tears and just the relief that I felt. And that was one of the moments when I realized, man, this spiritual warfare stuff, this is real. And as soon as I exercised my authority in Jesus, it was done. But the interesting thing was how difficult it was for me to speak those words. It mm. was literally almost like something was holding my mouth shut. Mm. I just did not want to, with every fiber of my being, I did not want to say those words and do that action. And it's interesting because there's sometimes now where I'll feel that depression and, and 
the last few years have been the uh, most depression-free that I've ever had. I'd say I had a year right after that where I didn't even have a day where I was depressed. But every once in a while, it will creep back up on me. And if I just brush it off, oh, I didn't get enough sleep. Oh, I haven't been eating well. Then it will keep coming. It will keep coming and I'll just let it. Uh, for whatever reason, it's a, it's allowed to be there in my life. But as soon as I, 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 I tell it to leave, as soon as I rebuke it in the name of Jesus, it always clears up. And uh, it's just a constant reminder, I think, honestly, of, uh, of God to me to just remind me to be, uh, that I need him, right? That, that I do have authority, that I need to be mindful of the spiritual battle that I'm in. I mean, we see in, in the, uh, even Paul, right? It says that he was, uh, he had a thorn in his side, which was an evil spirit that he begged God to leave. And God told him that his strength was sufficient for him, right? So it's interesting that uh, we know that God uses all things for good. And uh, to me, it's just a reminder in my life that I'm in a spiritual battle and that I do need the Lord every day. Mm, That's good. I think what's important to remember with a story like that, too, is that uh, you and Heather were led by the Spirit to that point where you took off that spiritual blanket, if you will. And it's not... You know, people hearing that was like, oh, that's a that's a cool formula I can try. But you guys were led by the Holy Spirit. You know, this is not about formulas or doing, oh, I have to do these 10 steps and then I can be a demon slayer. No, like we have to be led by the Spirit. And if the Spirit is guiding us, then we're going to get strategy. We're going to get revelation in people's lives on things we can pray for or maybe a stronghold in our own life that the Spirit is revealing to us that we need to break. And so I think it's very important that we don't just go demon hunting, right? We don't look for demons under every rock. We believe that they are real, but we're also focused on Jesus. And that's how we find freedom. You know, you you look in the Bible and the story of the sons of Sceva, right? That's a great example of people that tried to do what the apostles were doing and they got beat up by the demon. Mm -hmm. Simon the sorcerer wanted the power that the uh, apostles were having. He wanted to pay for it and they rebuked him. And so when we see, hear some of this stuff, we think that that'd be really cool if I could, if I could do that. And yeah, it would, but and his, led his by the desire spirit. for power, if you, if you study history and what happened to him, he literally started a cult, mm. <laughs> you know, where people were seeking that kind of power and where I forget what their name was, but uh, yeah, look it up, Simon, the, the sorcerer and, mm. and what happened to him afterwards. Cause the Bible doesn't mention it, but he's definitely in, in us, other history books. That's interesting. So I think, you know, when we talk about this, uh, an analogy that I've heard uh, uh, of how we can think about possession, oppression, whatever we want to call it with a Christian is, you know, we have a spiritual house, right? And God, if we're Christian, if we're in Christ, you know, God is the owner of that house. He has the deed. But through our actions, we can allow there to be an open door, maybe an open window to a downstairs room where we let something in, right? Let's say you have a house and you let someone, you know, you let a homeless person live there who's not clean. And over time, you, you see that room start to smell. You, you, you know, the room is a mess. You wonder where that's coming from. And you have to evict that person. You have to kick that person out. That person has no rights to that house. Uh, or if they're a tenant, right? A tenant that you let come in 
and all of a sudden they, they stop paying, they, stop, they start making a mess of the place, you have to evict them. And you can only do that through the power of the person that has the deed to the property to come and kick them out. And so when we talk about someone who's not a Christian, right, the, the God, Christ is not the, the owner of their spiritual house, and so you can have a lot more influence and in, in oppression and uh, possession through non-Christians, but even as Christians, you can let that window open to your house. Now, if you're if you're fully fortified, the house is good to go, you're in the spirit, everything's barred up, you don't let any open doors, then you are safe, like you are protected. It's only through our choices that we can step out of that. Now, we can still have those lies come in, and I almost think about, think of like, you know, let's say someone walked by your house and they're just yelling at you from the street, right? They're just cursing at you, yelling at stuff, like you can kind of hear them, but you can also like, close the shades and then not really see them that you know there is still a level of influence that we have to stay on guard for because the devil is like a prowling lion looking for someone to devour peter says and so that's kind of just a helpful analogy for me at least uh, on how i've kind of heard it explained well and and you may be sitting there thinking well there's nothing in my life that uh that i would let a demon come into my life right uh, i haven't done uh, Ouija boards, I haven't, you know, uh, done anything satanic. I don't, I, I don't know, anything else that you can think of. But honestly, the things like going through the freedom ministry, the, you know, the number one thing that just allows that, that is that open door to demonic influence in your life is unforgiveness. You have a family member, you have a brother or sister in Christ that you just harbor this anger in your heart, this bitterness. Um, that is an open door. I mean, it, it, in First John, he emphasizes it so much. If you hate your brother, right, and say you love the Lord, you're a liar. He straight up calls them a liar. If you just, you know, Jesus said, if you have anger in your brother towards your brother, you have already murdered them. Mm -hmm. And and so those are the type of things that, oh man, I hadn't really thought about that. Repent, repent of it. Turn towards the Lord. Forgive that person. You know, it's a choice. And um, you know what God calls us to do isn't easy, but it's good, and it's it's the best. And uh, letting go of that forgiveness is really just letting go of that poison in your own heart, letting go. And uh, it, especially if that's, if that's the reason why a, um, a demonic force is in your life, they will not want you to forgive. They will well up that anger in you. They will feed off of that that you already let them in. And they will not want you to forgive, right? Because then they have no right to be there anymore. And... Um, and so I just wanted to remind, remind you of that. I heard someone recently who has done deliverance for over 25 years. And he, one thing stood, stood out for me is that he said every night before bed, he's in the dark and he raises his hands and he says, Lord, thank you for your son. Thank you for the work on the cross that has brought me freedom. He's like, I repent for any open door that I let into my spiritual house this, this day. I repent of those. I walk in the freedom you have for me. So he just does this like nightly prayer, right? And it's not about, like I said, once again, it's not about, oh, if I do that, then I'll be good. It's like his heart is really to be 
holy. That's the process of sanctification we're all on, is to be holy. That's what sanctification means, the process of being made holy. And so that, that really stuck with me. It's something I'm going to do. Just, you know, you're in bed anyway, trying to go to sleep. Why not just say a quick prayer to God? You know, anything you need to repent on throughout the day. Uh, and it helps you get rid of that anger, get rid of that resentment. Oh, yeah, I did have this today where I couldn't forgive this person or this person cut me off or this family member offended me in a certain way. Just release that to God and it helps. It might help you get to sleep better. It might, you know, start your next day off better. Who knows? I think I think that's something that uh, definitely does not hurt. I think another important thing to remember is that we have no reason to be afraid. Yes. I, I think that when people start realizing the reality of the spiritual realm that you've already been living in, I mean, this has been going on uh, since uh, humanity began, mm -hmm. uh, that Satan has been waging this war. And so this isn't something new. And just because you're becoming aware of it doesn't mean that uh, that worse things are going to happen. But God has given you authority in the spiritual realm. And that's super important to remember yeah. because lots of times we feel like we're helpless. We're afraid that there's nothing that we can do. But I, I tell you, just rebuke it in the name of Jesus. If God puts somebody in your life that it's very apparent that they have uh, demonic influence in their lives, in, in the lives of their children, um, God has put you there for a reason. And I, I would pray and I would see what God would have for you. You know, there's different things that can happen. And if they're not believers, that's, you know, Jesus is pretty clear that if you cast out the demons, right, out of someone's house, um, and then there's, there's, you just leave the doors open, right, it's going to come back worse. And so really what that means is if, if the Holy Spirit isn't part of someone's life, there's not much point in, 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 casting the demons away from them, right? right? Because um, now lots of times in the Bible, we do see that casting out a demon and salvation happen at the same time. But if the person is not ready for that, then uh, Jesus is clear, it'll end up worse for them, right? You can't, if somebody is not ready to give their lives to Jesus, then having this, the demonic uh, forces removed from them won't help them because they will just immediately come back. Yeah. And to piggyback on that too, like one of the enemy's greatest tactics is scare tactics. They want to scare you. And uh, this this happened just recently. Someone came that we talked to and uh, she had just been starting to read the Bible again, starting to go to church again, and these things started happening at night. And it was really designed to scare her from moving down that path of, of finding that freedom. And, and praise be, be to God, she found freedom. Those things stopped. You know, we walked her through that whole process. But, uh, you she's, know, she's trusting in Jesus more. Yes, she's uh, exercising her authority yep. and, and she feels peace. She doesn't feel that fear in her home. She doesn't. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really an amazing thing. Yeah, no, it's an amazing story. I don't want to go in too much, but that that is something just as an example to everybody listening that uh, if if the enemy's trying to scare you in any way, find a brother, sister in Christ, talk to a pastor let us pray with you. Let us walk you through uh, this process of freedom so that not, not just so that you can come to somebody every time, but so that you can know who you are in your identity in Christ so that you can rebuke the enemy and as, as, as God leads you. And as you have that power, you don't have to be scared. So we've touched on a lot of things and I think we should probably close here, but I, I we've been talking out of 
our experience and our understanding. And if you have, you know, this is kind of a touchy subject for some people. So if you have any questions, please come talk to us. Uh, this is not something that everyone's going to agree on. And again, we're just talking out of our own uh, understanding of the Bible interpretation and also experience. I, I've been on my own journey with this uh, for the last few years of, of really understanding and, and questioning different things that I believed and is what I believe really biblical, test everything against the Bible. And so if, if, you, if you want to talk to us, please come talk to Tim and I. We'd love to talk to you about this and, uh, and uh, just grow in the Lord together. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. So this has been Pastor Talk and another great episode. You can find this on your podcast feed or YouTube. And once again, this has been sponsored by Behringer Tools. <laughs> and Behringer Tools. Behringer Tools. The greatest tools you could ever find. And now sponsored by Space Coke. I have it in my hand, actually. Space flavored Coca-Cola. Coke. Joe brought these to church. So uh, it tastes nothing like space from my experience. It tastes more like cotton candy. But Have you been to space? I have not. I think actually space smells like rotten eggs that's probably not demon smell like rotten eggs too <laughs> <laughs> are they from space <laughs> space okay demons. we are off track okay all right we'll see you next time